So we are studying uh, the last half of Ephesians chapter 4. It's a three-week teaching series that I've titled Walk This Way. And last week we looked at uh, verses 17 through 19. That's kind of the old way of life, kind of the old walk, um, if you will. This week we're going to look at uh, verses 20 through 24 that Gregory just read for us. It's the new way of life, this new walk. Um, and then next week, we're going to look at verses 25 through 32, through the end of the chapter there. And um, we're going to look at six very practical differences between the two ways of life. So that's kind of how this is outlined. So there's the old walk. Today, we're looking at the new walk. And then next week, we look at these six, those of you that really like practical application. That's what Paul does here for us at the end of chapter 4. He gives us these six very practical uh, differences between this old walk, the old way of life, and this new walk, this new way of life. And so that'll be um, the lesson next week. That's where we're headed. But today, um, we are in verse 20, and we're looking at this new walk or this new way of life. I love this verse. It's very short straightforward. Um, In the NRSV, Paul writes, that is not the way you learned Christ. In the NIV 84, he, he writes, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. So with these very direct words, these very clear, straightforward words, Paul states that the old way of life that we just talked about last week in verses 17 through 19, is not like the new way of life. And the difference between the two is knowing Christ. That's the difference. The difference between a life of futility and a life of true righteousness and holiness that he describes it there in verse 24 The difference between the two ways of life, between the two walks, is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ changes everything. Paul literally says in verse 20, learn Christ. Know Christ. Think about Christ. Meditate upon Christ. And by meditate, I don't mean the kind of meditation where the goal is to empty your mind so that you can connect with yourself. That's not what I mean. I mean the kind of meditation where the goal is to fill your mind with Christ in order to connect with God. Learn Christ. Know Christ. Think about Christ. Meditate upon Christ. Fill your mind with Christ. Let me ask you, what do you fill your minds with during the week? Paul exhorts the church and says to us today to fill our minds with Christ. Learn Christ. Know Christ. Think about Christ. And then in verse 21... 
he elaborates on the way we are to know Christ. And I want to briefly mention all three of the distinct ways. So look there at verse 1, at verse 21. There are, there are three ways that we can know Christ that Paul elaborates on. As he says, learn Christ, think about Christ, know Christ. He goes on to say, here's kind of three ways. First, we're to know Christ as the subject of our lives. Paul writes, surely you've heard about him. Surely you've heard of him. So there's this sense where we learn about Christ. We learn about him like we can learn about another person. It's, it's factual knowledge. We learn all about him. He becomes the subject of our learning. We're right across the street from a state university, and so this kind of language uh, should make sense to us. When we become disciples of Jesus, we decide to get our Ph.D. in Christ, to know him. He becomes the subject of our study, of our interest. Some of my earliest memories are of my mother reading stories to me about Jesus. It's why we're excited about having Bible classes on Sunday mornings again. Because Jesus Christ is to be the subject of our lives. He's the subject of this book. All the Bible from Genesis to Revelation has one subject, and his name is Jesus. And so we can learn Christ, we can know him as the subject of our lives. You know, it's interesting. People will devote their entire careers to learning about something or to learning about someone. You know, two weeks ago, uh, on our way back from uh, taking my oldest daughter down to Arkansas, to Harding, Karen and I uh, stopped in Memphis um, on the way home at the Civil Rights Museum. It's unbelievable. Highly, I mean, add it to the bucket list. You need to, you need to go there. They have uh, converted the Lorraine Motel where MLK Jr. was assassinated into this museum. Uh, and it's just this incredible experience uh, to participate in that. And, 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 you know, just what's amazing to me is that there are people who've given their careers to learning about MLK Jr., to learning about the civil rights movement. And in the same way as disciples of Christ, we, we give ourselves to learning about Christ. Yet, Christ is to be known as so much more than just the subject of our lives. Second, here in verse 21, we're to know Christ as the source of our lives. Not just the subject, but as the source. In verse 21, Paul writes, for you were taught in him. You see, not only is Christ the subject, we've heard about him, but he's also the source. We're taught in him. Paul uses this in him language 38 times in this letter. And this, this in him language points to Christ as the source. He is the source of our lives. It's relational language. It connects us to Christ. We learn about Christ from Christ is what Paul's saying here. That's the beauty of this word. It's living and active. It's the, it's the living, active words of Christ. Christ is living and active, and so his words are living and active. 
We learn about Christ from Christ. He's the source. If you remember, um, Paul begins this letter uh, back in chapter 1, verse 3, by writing, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in every in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's blessed us in Christ, in him, with every spiritual blessing. At the outset of the letter, Paul points to Jesus as the source of every blessing there is to have in this life. We're chosen in him. We're adopted in him. We're redeemed in him. We're united in him. The list of blessings in, the, in, this, in this letter go on and on, and each one finds their source in him. So we're to know Christ as the subject of our lives, and we're to know Christ as the source of our lives. He's, he, he's where we go to as the source. And then third, we're to know Christ as the standard of our lives. Again, in verse 21, Paul writes, for the truth is in Jesus. So there is truth. There is a standard. There's a right way to order our behavior. And we're to learn the way of Christ. Dallas Willard uh, was an author and speaker who wrote a lot about discipleship. Uh, And he wrote this, and I've never forgotten it. He wrote, as a disciple of Jesus, I am to learn how Jesus would live my life if he were me. That's a good thought. I'm to learn, I'm to learn Christ. What he encourages here is to learn how Jesus would live my life if he were me. Christ is the standard. He's the truth. He's the way. Or to walk in the way of Christ. And I have to point out here that the only way we can begin to know Christ as the standard of our lives is if we know him as the source, right? There's no way that we can even begin to know Christ as the standard of our life if we don't know him as the source, that he's the source of all life. We can only become like him if we're in him, if we're connected to him, if we've been redeemed in him and chosen in him and adopted in him, when he's the source of our lives. And so Paul says to know Christ, learn Christ, think about Christ. He's our subject. He's our source. He's our standard. Um, I, I was trying to recall, uh, it's been years ago, but I did a, I did a sermon series through, it was either Hebrews or Colossians, or it could have been when I did the I am statements of John, from John, but we had signs up here on the wall that had Jesus and different truths about Jesus. Um, and I had a friend that uh, met me here at the building one day uh, during the week, and it was the first time that this friend of mine um, had ever stepped foot into a church of Christ. 
Um, and so he, you know, it was just kind of, he was his first experience, and he, he walked uh, into the auditorium here, and he was drawn to those signs. And he was quiet for a moment as he read those signs, and he said, okay. So Southside is a Christocentric church. That's the first time I'd ever heard that word. But I, I really liked how it sounded. And so I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you bet. We're Christocentric. Look, Southside is the Church of Christ. And I want to be clear about what I mean when I say that. When I say that we're a Church of Christ, I, I don't mean that we're a group of people who think we're the only ones going to heaven. And I don't mean that we're a group of people who don't believe in music. What I do mean is that we're a group of people who are all about knowing Christ, learning Christ, knowing him as the subject of our life, the source of our life, as the standard of our life. As disciples, we're, we're a group of people who are learning each day to walk in the way of Jesus. And in verses 22 through 24, Paul shares with us the way we're to walk. This is what it looks like. Paul clearly states they were taught to walk in this way. They were not taught to walk in the way of verses 17 through 19. They were taught to walk in this way. Now, if you were to describe the way you literally walk to someone, how would you do it? Karen and I um, walk together uh, several times a week. And uh, if I had to describe to you how we walked, I didn't run this past her, but hope it doesn't get me in trouble. But... Karen walks very fast. She kind of opens her hips as she walks, gets those arms pumping. I mean, she's a machine. She can really get going uh, when she walks. I don't walk as quickly as she does. I kind of walk like a big stiff board. I would kind of say I lumber. But I I have really long strides And so that allows me to to keep up with her when we walk. Um, How would you you describe how you walk? Well, listen as Paul describes how to walk in the way of Christ. I'm going to summarize it, and then we're going to talk about it. We put off, we're made new, and we put on. We put off, we're made new, and we put on. Let me say it this way. We reject, we renew and we receive. Reject, renew, receive. Put off, we're made new, we put on. This is the way disciples of Jesus are to learn how to walk every day the rest of our lives. Every morning when we wake up, we put off, we're made new, we put on. You see, this is not just a one-time experience only at conversion. This is what it looks like to daily walk in the way of Christ. These happen every day in the life of a disciple. 
The verbs Paul uses in these verses are all in the present tense, which show that they happen today. They happen presently. They're ongoing daily action. Now, it does describe the conversion experience. Recently, um, Landon Antonetti, Kate and Landon, uh, are here at Southside, and, and Landon was baptized uh, on a Wednesday evening just a couple of weeks ago. It was wonderful to participate in that with him. And I read this text at his baptism because it describes so well the experience of conversion, putting off your old self, being made new in Christ, and putting on the new self. So it does describe the conversion experience, but it also describes the daily process of conversion. This becomes our pattern for daily living. You see, baptism is to be lived out every day. The the, the great reformer, Martin Luther, wrote, we must daily return to our baptism. And he gets at the point there with that. Because conversion is not just a one-time experience, but a lifetime of change. One time, uh, someone called me a change agent in the church. Uh, And they meant that as a derogatory statement. And I responded to them kindly by saying, look, if you're uncomfortable with change, then following Jesus is probably not for you. Because when you become a Christian, you sign up for a lifetime of change, a lifetime of conversion, a lifetime of daily putting off and daily being made new and daily putting on. All of us could make a daily growth chart with those three categories. What are you putting off today? How are you being made new today? What are you putting on today? What's that conversion process look like in your life today? Listen again to Paul's words and how this, this, we're learned to walk in this way. Verses 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, on one hand, we daily reject the old way of life. And on the other hand, we daily receive the new way of life. And then in between, there's a daily renewal of our minds away from the old and toward the new. Reject, renew, receive. We daily reject the old way of life. We reject it at our conversion, and we reject it every morning when we wake up. You know, we looked at the old way of life last week. It's a selfish way of life. It's a self-centered old self. 
It's one that's turned away from God and from others and inwardly upon self, so much so that it eventually even abandons itself entirely for sin. And we reject this way of life. We put this way of life off. We take it off immediately. Look, this old self will ruin us. It will destroy us. Paul writes, your old self is currently being corrupted by its deceitful desires. That's why you have to take it off immediately. It will corrupt you even today. This is present tense. Therefore, you have to shed it like it's old, dirty, smelly clothing. That's what the imagery here is of old clothing. Take it off and throw it in the dirty clothes pile. Listen, we have t- teenagers living in our house. And so we know what dirty, old, smelly, dirty clothes piles are like. Take it off, get the dirty clothes off, and throw it in the pile. Look, Paul says that the old self is corrupted. What, what makes the old self dirty and smelly? It's, it's corrupted by, listen to what he says, deceitful desires. See, the desires of our old self, they trick us. See, desires are neutral. Desires aren't bad or good. Desires can be good. Desires can be bad. These desires, Paul describes them as deceitful. You see, they trick us. They trick us into thinking that fulfillment, that joy, that peace, that those things can come from something or someone other than God. They trick us into putting our trust and our hope into something or someone else other than God. Paul says, reject it. Put it off. Don't let your old self determine who you are today. If you do, that's like waking up in the morning, going over to the old, dirty, smelly clothes pile, and finding the shirt for you to wear on that day. He says, reject it daily, this old way of life. And then daily receive the new way of life. Now, if the rejection of the old way of life is like putting off the old, dirty, smelly gym clothes, then the reception of the new way of life is like the putting on of new clothes that are way too big for us. Listen, Paul says we're putting on the new self that is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So these new clothes of righteousness and holiness are going to seem too big and too clean. One of my favorite stories is about my older brother and his wife. Um, I've told it before. But it's been several years ago. Perhaps you'll remember it. Um, But for their very first Christmas together, she wanted to buy my uh, brother a new suit. Uh, He was interviewing for medical schools, and so uh, she wanted him to have a new suit. Well, bless her heart. That's what you say at this point in stories like this. Um, She'd never purchased a suit before. Uh, so she asked him for his size, and my brother's a big boy. Um, he was, 
his senior year in high school, he played offensive and defensive line and was 6'3", 275 his senior year in high school. Um, and so she asked him for his size, and uh, he said, 52. And so she ordered a 52. Now, my brother was a 52 jacket, but his pants were a different size. Well, she ordered a 52 suit. That's jacket and pants. So not only was the jacket a 52, but the pants were, get this, 52 by 52. (laughs) That's a true story. There's this great picture of my older brother standing in front of the Christmas tree like, you know, these things are like... But I always think about that when I think about putting on the new self. This new self of true righteousness and holiness. Because these clothes, they just seem way too big for someone like me. I just don't think there's ever any way I'll fit into the new self. Way too nice and clean and way too big. Well, this is why there's three parts of this walk. We daily reject the old self. We daily receive this new self. And we're daily renewed. We're daily being made new. Paul writes, we're being made new in the attitude of our minds. You see, there has to be a radical change in our thinking. N.T. Wright is a theologian, author. He writes, you can't alter behavior without changing the mind. And listen, we cannot change our own minds. We cannot renew ourselves. This is, this is passive action here. We're being made new by God. All of us need a supernatural attitude adjustment. And God is the only one who can make us new. Came across a great definition of renewal this week. Listen to this. It's the restructuring of a person's thinking by the Holy Spirit as the result of a direct encounter with the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Learn Christ. Know Christ. Think about Christ. Renewal. It's the restructuring of a person's thinking by the Holy Spirit as the result of a direct encounter with the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. God renews our minds as we pray. God renews our minds as we worship. God renews our minds as we read his word. God renews our minds as we live together in community. God will change us and will grow us into the new clothes. Anyone who has uh, ever grown up with older siblings are familiar with hand-me-downs. 
These are clothes and shoes that you're given that are way too big for you. But as the parents put these clothes on you, they smile. And they say to you, the same thing happened for years and years. You will grow into them. Well, this new self are the clothes given to us by our older brother, Jesus Christ. Clothes, Paul says, of true righteousness and holiness. These are holy hand-me-downs. And as the Father puts these clothes on us, he too smiles and says, you'll grow into them. Reject, renew, receive. Let's learn to walk in the way of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this message. Thank you uh, for Christ. Thank you for Christ. Thankful just for the simple call, the simple explanation exhortation to learn Christ, to know Christ. So, Father, we, we do pray as your followers that we, um, we I, I pray for each one here that we will today, just for today, that we'll, we'll put off those parts of our old self that need to, need to be put away, and that we'll put on the new self. Father, that you will renew us, make us new, you'll change us, transform us into people who grow into them. I pray this in Jesus' precious name, amen. This morning, um, I want to offer an invitation for anybody here who has never put Christ on, right? That's the language we use about baptism, that you put on Christ. Get to put them on. We'd love for, to, to be a part of that with you this morning. If you have not um, made that public declaration of faith, if you've not begun that, that, that walk with Christ, to walk the way of Jesus, we want to be a part of that in your life today. We're going to sing a song of invitation. Let's stand together and sing.